for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. Uh, it's been about a week since our last time we got to go live with everybody. We had been doing it for several weeks out there at camp. Now we're back to our sort of normal insider format. And man, since that last time we talked, there has been a lot that has happened, uh, a lot to go over. We have cut down the roster to 53. We have built a practice squad. We have signed uh, some new interesting additions. So I don't even know where to start. There's so many different options. But while we give you guys a chance to submit your questions on the Facebook page, we're going to take some of those later on as we uh, start talking about some of these developments over the last week. Uh, why don't we just go first of all with the cut downs and, and who made the 53 and some of your initial reactions to that? Well, there weren't a ton of surprises. I mean, since last Tuesday, I guess you could say there were some surprising developments. We have another quarterback in the house that people would recognize and Josh Rosen on the practice squad. We have another, he was the 10th overall pick in 2018. We have another running back that people would recognize in that room in Leonard Fournette. He was the fourth overall pick in 2017. We have a new kicker. In fact, we have two new kickers. If you count the practice squad, neither of whom were here when we last spoke, uh, I guess actually Ryan Suckup was just arriving last time we talked. He, got the job over Matt Gay. Uh, and then we brought in Greg Joseph, who actually coincidentally last year, Ryan suck up after he'd never missed a game before and over four years or five previous years in Tennessee was kicking at about 83%, which is very, very good. He even had a stretch where he made an NFL record 56 straight kicks from inside the 50, which is pretty amazing field goals. Uh, but last year he started out on injury reserve with a knee issue. They tried to bring him back because it wasn't going well with their other kickers in Tennessee. And um, he obviously wasn't ready to go yet. Only made one of six. And so they had to put him back on IR and they brought in Greg Joseph who did well for them. He amazingly over five games, including the postseason, he had 18 extra point attempts and one field goal, which is really weird for a five game stretch. But they were the Tennessee office was just going ballistic at that time with Derrick Henry and they're scoring touchdowns and not needing field goals, but he made all of them. So it's obviously a different sort of year. You got to be prepared. So having kickers on your practice squad is not something you're used to. But uh, it's a thing I think most teams are doing this year, uh, putting a, another kicker on their practice squad in case something were to happen late in the week, especially since COVID is a possibility you want to have another kicker ready to go. So it's an unusual year. Uh, but as for the cuts themselves, there weren't a ton of surprises. Okay. And then uh, we had a question and we also released a depth chart. We didn't even bring that up of all the things that have happened. And related to that, uh, Esai asked, uh, how good does it mean Winfield is that he's already been listed as a starter at this point? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing. And um, it wasn't clear during, during the entire camp that he would be starting. Uh, Mike Edwards was getting a lot of action as the first uh, next to Jordan Whitehead on the first team. And uh, you kind of got the feeling that they loved Winfield, but maybe it would be eased in, but I guess not. And uh, coach yesterday, coach Arian said about it is the issue is he's just making plays every day. He's always around the football. And I, I think what it is, is they just, they just can't wait to get this kid on the field. They, they didn't want to delay it. Uh, I still think you're going to see more than two safeties in action in, in most weeks. There'll be some packages that use three of them at once, potentially, especially because Winfield has cross-trained and can play in the slot corner as well, which is pretty amazing. And uh, obviously, um, we had some technical difficulties and got off to a little bit of a slow start here today. And what I was doing in that time while we were waiting was I was researching how often our first and second picks in a draft were in the starting lineup on opening day 
uh, which is if, if the depth chart is fouled, you never know. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe they start in a different package or something. But if the depth chart is fouled now, first-round pick Tristan Wirfs will start at right tackle, and Antoine Winfield Jr. will start at safety. And how often do you think that that happens, Casey? Is that a common thing or not? I mean, I'm going to guess probably not super common. Based yeah, on I, probably, I probably wouldn't have brought it up if it was common. Yeah. <laughs> if it was like, this happens every year, I doubt you would have said anything. So this pesky show started, and I didn't get to finish – from 1980 back through 1976, but from now through back through 1981, it's only happened four other times. Um, the most, the one that most Bucks fans of current vintage would remember is in 2015, used the first round pick on Jameis Winston and the second on Donovan Smith. And in fact, the next pick was Ali Marpet and the next pick was Quan Alexander. That's the only time in team history, unless it happened before 1980, that all your first four guys were all in the starting lineup on opening day, which was a pretty amazing draft. And I, I know you can look at this in two different ways. If, if you got a lot of rookies starting, that could mean your roster was talent deficient and they're starting by default. But I don't think anybody thinks that about this roster. And that certainly wasn't the case with that 2015 group. Those are all ended up being very productive players. And Donovan and Allie are still with us. And, uh, you know, Quan got the big deal. And, of course, Jameis had five years as a starter So uh, here. So um, it doesn't happen very often. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And it's especially unusual given that this was the year where everybody thought rookies would have a hard time make getting into the lineup early because they didn't have an off season. They didn't have preseason games. It's a tougher landscape than ever before for rookies that I think that just tells you how impressive Tristan and Antoine were over the last month or so. That's a great point. Um, Matt asked, has Leonard Fournette been on the field practicing yet? Yeah, he was yesterday it was his first practice. So, you know, he had to go through the COVID thing. That's why it wasn't officially announced till Sunday. And his first, the first practice after that was yesterday. Um, which is five days before the start of the regular season. So I can understand if people don't think he'll have a big off role in the offense on Sunday in New Orleans. And that's certainly possible. But Bruce Arians did say he would have a solid role. I think there was a little hint to how they might use him when he start when Bruce Arians started talking about what makes him good as a third down back, because he's good in pass protection. He's got good hands. He knows what he's doing. He's a big, big, fast guy. So if I were a betting man, and honestly, I don't think anybody knows three or four weeks from now how the carries are going to be distributed because you've got to see how it works out. But if I were a betting man, I would say that this Sunday in week one, Leonard Fournette will probably get a little bit of time from Shady on third downs and a little bit of time from Ronald Jones on, on first and second downs and, and just see how it goes. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I, I hope sort of for Leonard Fournette's sake, he gets at least some action because he talked about how excited he was to play his hometown team yeah. this time. But it's so hard for us to think about this as like, oh, I've never played the Saints before when we play them all the time, it feels like. <laughs> but yeah, he's never played them in, in his career and, and he's from there. So I thought that was pretty cool for him that he finally gets, you know, he gets sent to a new team and very first opponent is his hometown team that's kind of a cool story so Jacksonville there. Jacksonville never played in New Orleans in his three years huh yeah that's what that's what he said in, okay. in his uh, press conference you know, the, yeah the Buccaneers have actually played a game on LSU's campus so we've played more games where Leonard Fournette played college than Fournette has played in New Orleans I don't think that means anything I yeah it's a, but it's a fun fact I it was that. after Hurricane Katrina they had damaged yeah. the Superdome that's interesting Rondi Barber had three interceptions and we won the game well, then we should play there more often. I like that idea. Um, okay, let's see. Devin asked, do you see Josh Rosen taking over the QB3 spot? I did think about that. I did wonder that. Um, the question is, are you bringing him in too gradually? 
do that or do you want to keep four quarterbacks? And there's certainly reason to believe you just want to keep four quarterbacks because you, um, because of the COVID thing. If, if something happens and, and one guy has to go on the list and then other guys were in proximity and all of a sudden you're, you, you're out without a quarterback, it, it kind of makes sense. And with the expanded practice squad, I think you can afford to do that. Um, so I understand that point. I think that's a, a, a logical thread to pull and it could happen, but I think it's a little early to know for sure. I, I do think if you're Josh Rosen, who's already got his salary guaranteed from, from Miami. So chasing the highest salary probably wasn't his biggest priority. As you can see, he came to the practice squad here where he probably could have got a, an active roster spot somewhere in the NFL. Uh, but chance to work with Bruce Arians, Byron Lefwich, Clyde Christensen, Tom Brady, probably hard to pass up. And also you might think as a young quarterback, he's had a tough, he's had a tough road. You know, he, he gets drafted, starts a little bit as a rookie on a just horrendously bad Arizona team. And then new coaches come in, they have the first pick in the draft. They decide to go to Kyler Murray. Then he goes to Miami and they're not a very good team at all. So hasn't had a real great opportunity yet. Maybe he's thinking a couple of years down the road, if Tom Brady finally hangs him up, which, who knows if that'll happen. Yeah, 20 uh, years from now, you know. <laughs> right. So I can understand him thinking long-term in that regard. I, You know, I, I will say, I don't know if fans, all fans know this, but um, in addition to a 16-man practice squad this year, which is huge, uh, you also, each team also gets to say on Tuesday four players that they're going to protect, which means you can't be signed away. Usually when you're on a practice squad, at any time, another team can sign you away to their active roster. And, and uh, this year, that's still true. But each Tuesday, you get to designate up to four players that can't be that are protected and can't be signed away until after the next game. And uh, we did our four yesterday, and Josh Rosen is one of them, which, you know, doesn't mean uh, that we love Josh Rosen more than the next guy on the practice squad. It just means probably just means that that's a position where you want to be protected. We also protected our second kicker, Greg Joseph. So I think it's going to be a weekly thing where, where are you most worried that if something were to happen, you'd be too thin and you'd need somebody right away. So if, if you had a problem with your quarterback room on a Friday and, and you didn't have a fourth quarterback or somebody plucked him away, you'd be in a little bit of a pickle. So uh, it's interesting to see how that list will be used this, this year. First, the first week we protected Rosen, wide receiver Cyril Grayson, uh, cornerback Mazzy Wilkins, and the kicker Greg Joseph. Okay, and we had Oscar ask, how does the offensive line look? Are they going to be ready to protect Tom Brady this weekend? It's just going to be interesting to see overall. I mean, we talked about the idea of Tristan Wirth starting, and he's really the only change up front there. So I feel like a lot of this question is, are the existing guys going to be, do they have reason to be better from last year? And then how much better could Tristan Wirfs make them? All you can really go on because it's really hard to tell how good the line is when they're playing each other in training camp and not all of it is full tackling, full contact. One thing you can go on is what they say about each other. And of course, teammates are going to be complimentary about each other, but we have heard um, Ali Marpet, for instance, say Donovan Smith is even better, that he looks great. And and the issue with Donovan, as his coach was saying in one of these Zoom call interviews was um, consistency because they love Donovan Smith. They think he's a really good tackle, but sometimes there's a player or two that aren't perfect. And, and the coach was saying, you can't have 60 good plays and five bad ones. You need 65 consistent plays. And apparently he looks really good. Um, several guys have had very good things to say about Tristan Wirfs. I think Ryan Jensen, and Ellie Marpet were already very good last year. Alex Kappa 
impressed in terms of starting for the first time at right guard. He should probably be better. There have been some good things said about him. But honestly, we're not going to know the answer to that question for sure until we've had a couple games. I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about it, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and we'll close with this one. This is an interesting question. Something else that sort of was an interesting find from the depth chart that was released. Uh, okay. TJ asked, will Gronk line up with OJ or Cam on a more consistent basis? I think that you're going to see a lot of Gronk and OJ together. Um, Coach Arians calls 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, uh, his base offense, which is interesting because tight ends in his offenses, he hasn't had a lot of hugely productive ones in terms of catches and so on. Uh, but he hasn't had a room like this before either. Uh, you still end up in 11 personnel, which is three wide more often. But I think this year that that gap is going to come down a little bit. You'll see a little more um, 12 personnel. And I think you're going to see a lot of Gronk and OJ together. And, and there's going to be other packages, uh, you, you know, Gronk and Cam, Cam and OJ. And don't even forget about Anthony O'Claire because the interesting thing about O'Claire is if you look at his, his stat line, he's been here about three years and he's got a surprisingly large number of starts because lots of times we start in a package which has him and OJ and it's for the purpose of running the ball. So I think you have a call. I'm not, I'm not hundred <laughs> percent. That is true. Well, and uh, Carmen, case, it's our other reporter, Carmen. I'll call her back. Carmen, Why isn't she watching us here? Tell her to tell her to go. Like, this is great. Okay. All right. Well, it worked out well. We were ending anyways. So you can go call Carmen back. I'll call Carmen. Yes. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks to all of you guys for joining us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live. Thanks for those great questions. And we are so excited that the next time we do one of these shows, there will have been a Buccaneers game. It's going to be so exciting. We'll be able to talk about that, hopefully talk about a Buccaneers win over the Saints. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>